This episode of the Tech Money Podcast is sponsored by Capital Area Tax Consultants. Capital Area Tax Consultants is a virtual tax and accounting firm that specializes in helping high net worth individuals navigate the complexities of the tax code. While our team of tax pros are well-versed in all things tax, our areas of expertise include rental real estate and equity compensation. With our comprehensive tax planning services, our one goal is to help clients maximize savings and minimize their tax liability each year. At Capital Area Tax Consultants, we believe in pricing transparency and flat fees. Before engaging with us, you'll receive an upfront quote in black and white with a description of any services to be performed. This way, there are no hidden surprises. So don't wait. Reach out to us today to experience a better approach to taxes at www.capgllc.com. Again, that web address is www.capgllc.com. Welcome to the Tech Money Podcast, where the worlds of technology and personal finance collide. Hosted by certified financial planner, speaker, blogger, and self-proclaimed personal finance nerd, Malcolm Etheridge. Each episode aims to make you just a little bit smarter about your money, all from the perspective of the tech professional. Without further delay, here's your host. Hey there, listeners. Malcolm here. And on today's show, we're talking about entrepreneurship. More specifically, we're talking about starting a new company with an approach to an old problem without reinventing the wheel. For those who have thought of an idea for a tech startup in a crowded space, it can be tempting to think that your idea must be completely brand new and inventive, especially when you consider the seemingly ubiquitous announcements that so-and-so big-name VC investor has chosen to back so-and-so startup looking to go where no one has gone before which tend to dominate the headlines. However, if done right, there can also be room for those who have built a better mousetrap to enter into a crowded space and make a name for themselves. And while I'm certainly passionate about entrepreneurship and finding ways for founders to make some room for themselves, I am by no means an expert. So I decided to call up someone who's living this challenge right now and have a conversation. My guest, Desmond Wigan, is the CEO and co-founder of Battery Exchange a sharing economy platform providing device charging on the go. Prior to founding Battery Exchange, Desmond spent time as an account manager for Pepsi Corporate and spent time as a cross-border technology consultant working in Zhengzhou, China. So with that brief introduction, welcome Desmond Wigan to the Tech Money Podcast. Well, thanks for that, Malcolm. I'm super excited to be here. And um, it's Zhengzhou. And you would only know if you were out there. So I appreciate um, <laughs> you setting the record straight because I was actually going to ask you if I got that right, right before you said that. <laughs> no problem at all, but definitely excited about this conversation and sharing it with your audience. Yeah, man. And I breezed through your resume pretty quickly in my intro there. What else should I have included? I think a lot of times when we hear resume and just experience, I think we oftentimes forget the human component. So mm-hmm. I am also third generation entrepreneur, um, my dad and my granddad by circumstance, not choice. And so learn a lot from that family is important. So also a husband, a father, but just a a driven individual, super resilient, but also understanding of different landscapes and different tech environments across the globe. So that's, that's all I would add to that. Well, I should also add that you're a graduate of Winston-Salem State University, which I personally think is a big deal 
since people have criticized me in the past for only ever having Aggies on the show. So there's no better sign of reaching across the aisle, as they say here in D.C., if you will, than this. So just putting that out there for you folks on Twitter. So I uh, I picked up on something you said about being a third generation entrepreneur, which I find very interesting. And I actually didn't know that about you, which brings a question to mind, which is, does that mean that you had kind of been walking around basically your whole life knowing that you were going to eventually go and start something? Yeah, I, I think now that I look back at it, that was totally it. And I think a lot of what you look at diving into entrepreneurship is comfort and the ability to take that risk. And mm -hmm. when you grow up with people that show you that risk taking is just a part of the journey, you get comfortable in that. And so when it's time for you to take that risk, it, it isn't as hard or difficult as it would be for somebody else that has just been exposed to like the corporate environment. So I think me going to Asia, not knowing anybody, not speaking the language at the time, and then me taking the risk to get into entrepreneurship for the third time after two, we'll say, uh, trials and just learning startups, you know, sure. that's all a part of just growing up in the space. Which I assume then means that at some point you mentioned that you're a dad. So I assume that means at some point it, it's going to be time for Gen 4 to find that that idea to pursue and at least try a hand at entrepreneurship, not necessarily make an entire career of it. Yeah, I can't wait. So he just turned to my son, Jonah, and he already understands me and my demeanor when I'm in my meeting. Sometimes mm -hmm. he sits there and just watches me in this virtual world that we live through through COVID. He's been on some calls. You know, he's been on a few interviews. So I'm um, definitely giving him as much exposure as possible. But again, I feel like a big part of my ability to take risks is because of what I saw my dad and the stories he shared about my granddad. And so if I could do that to the Gen 4 and, and, and future generations, I think that's what we what we as entrepreneurs look to um, aspire for. Yeah, I look forward to it, man. I I, I look forward to seeing it, it, it play out. But so you're actually based out of Charlotte, which isn't the place most people think about when they think of a tech hub or a place to build a startup. Right. What's your experience been like trying to build a tech company in North Carolina? Well, I think when you look at entrepreneurship, a part of it is working with the hand that you're dealt, right? And I think a lot of that can have a strategic lens to it. So for our concept and model to grow, we really needed an ecosystem, right? And an ecosystem is a lot of times built through relationships. And so mm -hmm. I started to look at what I had, not only in North Carolina, but honestly, throughout all of, or not only Charlotte, throughout all of North Carolina, and, you know, realize that the opportunity to gain some really good traction and have some potential corporate partnership and have some earlier revenue generating opportunities mm -hmm. and building this ecosystem would be from me being in, you know, a quote unquote, smaller tech market that was hungry and, and ready for growth. So I saw all of those on the table and just said, you know what? I feel like you could put me anywhere and I am going to come out successful. So my family loved the environment here and, you know, it just made sense for me to kind of start here. And I've been able to just build and develop some really great relationships that have been able to just be fruitful over the last few years. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's your approach, too, because a lot of times 
I won't necessarily say a lot of times, but it's not uncommon for me to have a conversation with somebody who's got this idea they're excited about, want to talk about. And you ask the question, well, when are you going to get started? And they say something to the effect of, oh, well, I got to relocate. I got to move to where people are. I got to move to California, New York City, even Atlanta at this point. Like I got to move to somewhere else rather than the, the simple idea of, hey, just start where you are. Right. Like those things maybe come down the line. Maybe you eventually have to worry about a relocation mm-hmm. if the universe takes you that way. But like start where you are. Right. See, see what happens. So, no, I, I definitely appreciate that. That's the approach you're you're taking. And, and and obviously also it it helps to have had some of that influence to say, like, this is what entrepreneurship looks like. Right. It's yeah. solving problems, seeing what happens and continuing to iterate. But out of all the problems there are to go out there and solve. Why batteries? Like, why did this idea for for a startup come about? It's really charging. I mean, I was out in Asia, met with an inconvenience of needing to get back home. The mm-hmm. only way to get home was through an Uber application, which was through my cell phone. It was dead. And so I was just like, why isn't there a more convenient way for us to charge our cell phone while we're on the go? And then, you know, as you look at like customer discovery, you start to see that there's thousands, millions of people that have this same problem, regardless of sex or age or demographic, right? And so when you look at the spend in this charging station space, it was like collectively, globally, about over $5 billion problem or individuals were just kind of investing in solutions that were old, outdated, tethering, Mm -hmm. you know? And then even most recently, I was listening to a interview with Jamie Seminoff from Rain. Mm -hmm. He was just like, if you could solve a simple global problem, you can create billion dollar opportunities. And I felt like that's what we kind of had our hands on is a a simple solved problem that everybody could identify in all walks of life. So that's why we started to put time, energy and effort into building this into what you see today. Yeah. And funny enough, I remember very vividly, probably because I've seen like every episode of Shark Tank at least five times. But Mm -hmm. I remember the episode specifically when he pitched on there and they were like, doorbells, dude, get out of here. Like we (laughs) we already don't want to go answer the door and talk to people as it is. Like, why would we be trying to find a way to to spend more time and more money on that? And sort of as the way I led into this, like it's building the the better mousetrap that is a new way of thinking about an old problem that leads to, like you said, billion dollar opportunities. But from what I understand, like the whole mission of battery exchange as it stands now, I appreciate you redirecting me and focusing on charging, but it's to allow people to power their devices without having to be tethered, to use your word, to an outlet or be the annoying person at a bar asking the bartender if they can use their charger. Am I am I am I characterizing that right or is there there's something I'm missing? I think you're on track, but it goes even deeper. Our mission is really to provide connectivity, right? Mm-hmm. Allowing people to connect to things and people that matter to the most, because that's ultimately what really matters. You know, connecting a mother to a daughter at college, right? You mm-hmm. know, a, a pregnant wife to their husband that's in a hospital, you know, so forth and so on. We just are having a platform and a product that enables that, right? And so when you look at just the sharing economy at whole, it's the same thing of the the scooters. It's the same thing as the bikes, like an extension of a reliable source 
of a product that allows them to do whatever they wanted to do. And then you have the Ubers and all these other sharing economy platforms, but it, it really comes down to expansion of reliable on-demand connectivity to the things that are important to people. Hey there listeners, it's Eric with an A and I'm interrupting the show for just a moment to tell you about our newest offering, the tech money guide to restricted stock units. This guide was developed to teach those who are paid in RSUs to develop a plan for how and when to convert those shares into actual dollars, as well as how to incorporate them into your overall personal financial plan. You may have already heard episode 50 where Malcolm described the guide in detail, as well as his own philosophy and rules of thumb when it comes to managing this valuable form of equity compensation. If you haven't, no problem. We would still encourage you to head on over to tech-money.com and download a free copy of the guide today. There's also a link to it in the show notes of this episode. Again, that web address is tech-money.com, and you can download a free copy of the guide right there from the homepage. In keeping with the promise of this show, our hope is that the Tech Money Guide to Restricted Stock Units helps make you just a little smarter about your money. Now back to the show. So since this is the place that tech workers come to get smarter about their money, one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on is that you have had quite a bit of success recently, you know, not only raising funds to help grow the business, but also in creating partnerships with brands, like you said, and organizations to get your your terminals into their physical locations, right? But it wasn't a straight line. You didn't just come out of the gate winning every pitch competition or securing checks from investors and handshake meet and greet type meetings, right? So what's your experience been like to this point? Funny enough, I guess when I look back at it, my first pitch competition, I actually did win, right? And as an ex-athlete, you know... Right, that's it. Podcast over. Just- <laughs> <laughs> but as an ex-athlete, you get that that taste of winning. Yeah. One, that's belief and trusting yourself, right? Mm-hmm. I can get back to that level. But also, it's as you evolve in the startup world, there's different levels of expectations that you're not always ready for. And so what I try to do is identify you know, the ones that I lost or I didn't, you know, I came up short or whatever it was and ask questions around how I could get better, but also figure out how I can articulate or iterate or talk through something that I missed in the pitch. And so I feel a lot of it is just growing as you go, to be honest. But a big part of it is having an amazing team that Mm -hmm. even when you're not able to come through with the big pitch that you hung your hat on and you just knew that you were going to get, you know, them to be there to to comfort you and just say, hey, we're, we're still focused on a bigger vision and we got some amazing things that are on the horizon that would allow you to be even better in your next pitch. And mm-hmm. so I don't take that for granted at all, but it's just the ups and downs of the startup space. And you just got to have the grit and the grain to be able to endure the process. But it also doesn't hurt to win the first one because, you know, that's the old adage goes, nothing succeeds like success, right? Yep. Yep. A little bit of luck, too. A little bit yeah. of luck. <laughs> well, I'm, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I get, right? I don't know who I'm supposed to attribute that quote to, but it's definitely one that 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 rings true on a, on a regular basis. So I, I get it. But as far as like the idea is concerned, how hard has it been or, or maybe not been right to get people to see the potential in charging in the way that you guys are are offering it, right? I ask because I can imagine how how many people must have said something like, oh, but I never really run out of battery 
or, oh, but I have a travel charger already. Or, you know, at least back in 2019 when when you guys were just trying to prove the concept. So uh, what's it been like just trying to get people to buy into the idea? I mean, it has been quite difficult when you look at a hardware company trying to penetrate the space that has Mm -hmm. all these preconceived opinions on just that narrative, right? And uh, the money that's needed there. But once we started to kind of stop only focusing on the what Mm -hmm. and started to create vision around the why, the how, and, you know, with the longevity, what we're building, people started to see that there's, there's a lot of legs to what we're doing. And the space that we're currently in, we're doing it really well, right? And, you know, we're growing and we're learning. And, you know, I started to realize that this charging mechanism was and is just our Amazon books. You know, it's just our foot mm-hmm. in the door to the market that allows us to expand, whether it's verticals or just offerings. But in essence, you just have to go back to solving that million dollar simple solution for global market and then expand outside of that. So I think once people started to see that, it it became a lot easier. And then also just understanding everybody on an investor standpoint is not supposed to be your investor. Everybody on a partner standpoint is not supposed to be a partner. That's the heartache of it, but you have to go through hundreds to kind of find that one. And everybody kind of knows that's just, just what it is in the startup space. That's fair. Cause to me, like when I, when I look at your business, right, this is my interpretation, but you're not really selling batteries. You're selling convenience, right? So like uh, more to the, the point you just made, do you ever worry that investors may not think, you know, it's sexy enough since you're not inventing a smaller, more powerful or better battery or something? Or is it like you said, just, you're just not for us? I think one of the things that we realize is you, you could chase the IP world straight out, or Mm -hmm. you can go for traction, right? And in our space, we went for traction. We went for growth. We went for learning as we go. And honestly, as I look back at what's on the product roadmap or the software that we are looking to develop and already currently working on, we've been able to take advantage of opportunities and resources that have been presented to us because of the traction mm-hmm. or because of us being in these spaces. If we would have spent more time on that other development side, we honestly, we would have still been stra- scratching our heads and not knowing where to go. So again, whether it's, you know, starting in Charlotte and doing all these various things, I think it was exactly what we needed to do to now be at the point of, understanding and seeing what our growth looks like and how that differs than everybody else in the startup or the typical startup landscape, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a fair point. And I, I can appreciate your approach, but I asked that just cause, you know, I think it's a really simple solution to a problem that most people can identify with at this point, right. To, to use your analogy again, similar to putting a video camera on a doorbell, right? Like it's a very simple solution to something that everybody knows about, but like we all own cell phones and, and similar electronics and they all die eventually. So you're, you're there for us when we need the juice the most, right? <laughs> like I get it, mm-hmm. but I also feel like there's so much focus on inventing something brand new that nobody's ever seen before that folks don't always see the opportunities and just simply tweaking an old solution or, creating a new way to deliver an old solution, which would unlock all kinds of other opportunities, like you just said. Yeah. So going back to 2019, as I mentioned, you know, you guys initially launched with the idea of partnering with restaurants and bars, as I understand it, and putting your machines there. But somewhere along the way, 
you pivoted and decided to focus on universities instead. What happened there? Yeah, I think we just started to think bigger. We started to see that we could add value in various industries that weren't our initial space. You know, the bars and restaurants were good, but being able to add value in, you know, the university space and capturing that captive audience and adding value there. And then now being in some of the biggest healthcare systems, you know, working with some of the bigger event venues and professional sports teams within the region. Mm -hmm. That's, again, it's just being agile, understanding that there's things, even kind of going back to the question earlier of just like focusing on like building or creating versus traction with us kind of getting into these spaces, we started to see that we had the ability to to build custom features, to build custom user experiences in these bigger B2B industries. And so that's kind of how it happened is just falling into the space, trying it out and seeing that there's not only a big market opportunity, but we're actually providing true value to these industries. And as I understand it, your own university is now on the list of schools you guys have partnered with. That's got to feel great. That was a surreal moment. You know, I've always been intentional on going back to my university, which is at HBCU and Mm -hmm. sharing my journey of going abroad, getting into tech because they need to be able to see that. But Mm -hmm. when it came to the point of needing our first university partner, they raised their hand and, you know, it's not a pilot. Like, no, we're going to pay for this service to be here Mm -hmm. to provide value to our students. And it was a phenomenal just moment in time, but also a shift in, you know, hey, we we feel like we're getting into this space of just expansion within various industries. And uh, it was just such a beautiful moment. And it has been. Honestly, we just I, I think we just crossed over. I think it was like 4,500 users um, wow. on campus. And we've only been there in two semesters. And they don't even have 4,000 students. You yeah. know? So <laughs> it's, it's kind of cool to not only have them trust us, but allow it to be successful. Like you go on campus now, batteries are part of their culture. Like yeah. everybody, because our, you know, our batteries are kind of um, bright and you can see it from afar away and people just talk about how it just kind of helps them and it's a part of their everyday life. So that narrative in itself is truly a blessing. So you've used this, this E word a number of times, expansion, right? Talk to me about the expansion plan, right? I guess to the extent that you can, because I know you guys are doing the university thing right now, as I just teed up partnering with schools to put your boxes on their campuses and support their students. But I also know that you guys are working on something pretty significant with the NFL. So is there anything you can share with our audience on that front just yet? Yeah, I think when we look at, you know, the last three years and some of the industries that we've been wanting to tap into it's now here. We're getting out of the COVID environment of what mm-hmm. we knew two years ago and getting into a space where there's a lot more freedom and flexibility to provide value in spaces that we've always wanted to be in. So again, even like, you know, how we pivoted from the the restaurant to the university and just kind of thinking bigger, that's just kind of the space that we're in now. And then again, taking advantage of the opportunities that are presented to us and then the, the ability to do things internally and iterate and build is something that we honestly are blessed with. So mm-hmm. just being able to do that for these industries is is a really great opportunity. Yeah, I can imagine, especially like you said, three years in the making. Three years is really not that long if you think about it in terms of how long a business has been alive. 
but it also is, can feel like a very long time if you are the person or the team that's been working, you know, head down, grinding it out to make these things happen on a regular basis. So I can certainly appreciate being able to pick your head up, look and go, oh, shoot, like we have real partnerships at this point. Like this isn't just an idea anymore. Like people are looking at us. Mm-hmm. So before we get ready to wrap, what would be your main message to folks who are thinking of starting something or maybe pursuing their side of thing full time now, but they're not sure whether there's room in the marketplace for what they're doing? I think one of the things entrepreneurs or prospective entrepreneurs need to know is that their story is going to be completely different and they write their own narrative, right? Mm -hmm. Like don't pay attention to all of the headlines because that sometimes could be a block in what your path was supposed to be, you know, being able to be a big fish in a small pond, you know, make enough noise and then expand to bigger markets is something that I've been able to do and currently doing. And so just being able to be vetted by big companies and big names in your regional environment could be a robust growth opportunity where now you can go to other markets and say, Hey, this is what I've done. You know, Mm -hmm. I have case studies to talk to. It's not you taking a chance on me anymore, you know? And so I think not enough people want to write their own narrative and they want to pay attention to what they see in the headlines. But if we, go against the grain sometimes you can create opportunities that again is only your story and that's what it was supposed to be in the first place i love it well my last question actually or i guess i should say likely has absolutely nothing to do with battery exchange specifically so you can kind of relax your shoulders a little bit and sit back in your seat for this one but let's say you had to find a different way to occupy your days but money wasn't a factor in your decision making at all What do you think you'd be doing right now? I'd be traveling more. I would be, I'm a global econ nerd. I love culture. I love people. I remember my time in Asia and China and spending time in rural environments and just seeing how people think, how they walk, how they live, how humble they were. I would literally cross every mile of the earth if I could get into the various continents and just taking my family along because I feel like cultural capital is something that, you know, I want to invest in for my, my kids and I want them to be exposed to just how the world works and not thinking that what we see in the United States of America is it. So I would definitely spend my time there. And because I know you can't help yourself, I assume there would be some, some travel related startup in the works uh, eventually as you, as you worked your way across the, across the globe. It only makes sense. I'm not, you know, just out there all I got to be bringing in some dough too, you know, or providing opportunities or finding a way to penetrate a market that has not been penetrated and just creating new things. So definitely. Yeah, I figured as much. Well, thanks, Desmond, man. This was this was great. And I appreciate you being so generous with your time. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about you and or battery exchange after this goes live? Yeah, definitely. Um, it was certainly a pleasure. I appreciate the conversation on LinkedIn. I'm pretty active. It's Desmond Wigan Jr. I am a junior, so my my dad might pop up. But on Instagram and Twitter, it's Worldwide Wigs underscore and then Battery Exchange Inc underscore on those platforms as well. Awesome. Well, on that note, Eric with an A, why don't you go ahead and close us out, sir? 
I would be happy to Desmond. This was fantastic. So interesting. The conversation, the concept, I look forward to seeing some of those things. I have not seen those yet. So there's another market that you can get into. Then again, I'm not on college campuses often, so, you know, maybe not, but I'll tell you what, I, I thought this was a great interview, Malcolm. Thank you so much for bringing them on the show. This is again, just something that you're bringing to the audience that they've probably never heard before. So I appreciate that. And our last thank you goes to you, of course, the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the tech money podcast with Malcolm Etheridge. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Malcolm comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, leave a review, as this will help others find the show. And you can connect with Malcolm on social at Malcolm on Money. And we'd love to hear from you and answer any questions you have. And you can do so by emailing them to podcast at tech-money.com. Thanks again for listening today. For everyone at Tech Money, our hope is that this show helped make you a little smarter about your money. This has been the Tech Money Podcast. For more information on today's topic, to review the show notes, or to catch up on past episodes, be sure to check out malcolmetheridge.com slash podcast. And if you have an idea for a show topic that you'd like us to cover, or you want to send us feedback, the web address again is malcolmetheridge.com. You can also find Malcolm across all social media platforms at Malcolm on Money. This episode was written and created by Malcolm Etheridge with the production, the editing and sound controls powered by Proudmouth. This has been a Malcolm on Money original. Thank you for listening. The information shared in this recording and by its guests represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not represent the views or opinions of the host. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This content is not, nor is it intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. It is always recommended that you seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your personal financial situation. This episode of the Tech Money Podcast is sponsored by Capital Area Tax Consultants. Capital Area Tax Consultants is a virtual tax and accounting firm that specializes in helping high net worth individuals navigate the complexities of the tax code. With our comprehensive tax planning services, our one goal is to help clients maximize savings and minimize their tax liability each year. Our team of certified public accountants and enrolled agents is well-versed in the latest tax laws, ensuring that you capitalize on every opportunity for strategic tax optimization. We anticipate changes and keep you up to date on opportunities to potentially reduce your tax bill in the future. With a focus on precision and strategic planning, we are your trusted partner both during tax season and throughout the year. So don't wait. Reach out to us today to experience a better approach to taxes at www.capgllc.com. Again, that web address is www.capgllc.com.